made the mistake of picking up Red Dead Redemption 2 for my wife. I haven't seen her in a long time. Last weekend, I went to man camp, and I don't think she even know I left. All I hear from her office are the beating hooves of a running horse, and occasionally the yell of some voices in western twang. If any of you have seen my wife, please tell her we're still here and we love her. I would like, if I may, to take you on a strange journey. Welcome to Nine Cents. Nine Cents is a satanic perspective of our modern world, and I'm your host, Reverend Campbell. It's great to have you. It is August, the, it's definitely not the 9th, it's the 23rd. I didn't update my doc. And as of today, we have 23,413,565 worldwide cases of COVID-19, with 809,293 deaths. And I got a great show for you this week. That's right. In The Devil's Advocate, I'm going to be asking the question, is life sacred? In the Infernal Informant, we have two articles. The first is, New conditions on Alaskan mine could delay vast project that Donald Trump Jr. opposes. Interesting. And the second, data shows Trump didn't build a great economy. He inherited it. And of course, in the Creature Feature, I'm going to be talking about the film The Current Occupant. And if you know anything about me, you know it's a good one. You know I loved it which is why I'm talking about it, <laughs> so I'm going to bring it to you. But before I do, I do got a couple notes. Stephanie, how are you, my dear? It's been a very long time. Uh, Valeria, what's up? Vasiri, just saw you, didn't I? <laughs> Sean, how you doing, man? Uh, what's up, William? How you doing, Gary? Okay, uh, so man camp. I haven't talked about this. Uh, I don't think at all in any of my things. Uh, I was going to do a show last week, this sort of like drop the hat type show, didn't pan out. I was exhausted, exhausted from man camp, but I did take my Tesla out on a road trip, like a state over road trip. And uh, I was surprised at how wonderfully it did and how actually how far I can go just on a single charge. Like it's, it's very, very cool. And the, the act of having to uh, like charge it at a charging station like, you know, about a half an hour in order to charge it back up to 100%. But it forces you to focus on the interaction with the other people you're with and the atmosphere of the town you're in, which is kind of cool. And it actually ended up being a really wonderful experience. It, it allowed us to have some lunch, to sort of decompress from a long drive, and just enjoy each other's company and laugh. And it was, it was a great time. Um, Wes. <laughs> Uh, was on the man camp with me in the chat room. Madness is what I'll say. <laughs> Madness ensued. It was <laughs> it was a good time, but holy shit. There was a point, a distinct point that I will talk about, where someone had ordered pizza 
And I could not imagine a rational thinking human coming into this madness of a house that we were in without being entirely devoured, flesh from bone. And so the idea of someone ding-donging the doorbell and opening the door into the madness that we were wrapped in in the moment was terrifying. And so I was just filled with tension and fear about what was going to happen as soon as that doorbell was rung. It was fucking crazy. Okay, I'll, that's all I'll say. That's exactly what it would have been. It was like, uh, I got a pizza here for blah! And that's all they would have heard from the guy again. Was it blah? Okay, so the madness notwithstanding, had a great time. <laughs> I'm really glad. Now what I'm afraid of is that because we did an Airbnb, there's footage out there. <laughs> this person's home that we stayed in has footage of the craziness that occurred. There's evidence out there, people. <laughs> there can be no evidence, which is why I normally go up in the mountains. <laughs> but who knows? Who knows if it'll ever leak? I'm hoping it's not going to. <laughs> What's up, uh, he'll say? Hey, silly. All right. Um, I want to talk briefly, and I talked a little bit about this in the live stream that I did yesterday um, about the loss of animals, and it's going to come up a little bit in some of the conversation today. But just uh, to put it out there, uh, a buddy of ours, um, his name is Bobby, died, which sucks. Bobby was a great dog. Um, he was adopted from another family that just could not take care of him. And, and quite frankly, part of that family almost killed him. Uh, and so he was already in a sort of a bad position late in life when he was adopted by uh, our friend Bede and his family. And the the dog, it, it lived a very happy remainder of the time it had left in a very loving and caring family. And so that's nice. But I distinctly remember um, sitting on the floor and just scratching his head and him just like trying to swallow my entire face with <laughs> with his mouth as he's like licking and he's so happy all the time um he stayed a night at my house during the interim and he just had a great time with my dogs he's gonna be missed and then we also lost lemonade our chicken for no fucking reason as far as we can tell um, we've lost chickens before and so it's not like the end of the world but lemonade was a special one between red and lemonade they were my favorites all of our favorites she was just a really loving chicken that would just sit there and perch on your knee if you went and sat down. She was very forward and just friendly to humans and her cute little feather fucking feet. Anyway, she's going to be missed. She was a great dog. Or dog. She was a great chicken. Um, that's kind of all I had. I just wanted to bring up those brief ideas. Hey, Kyle. So uh, let's dive into Is Life Sacred? And the Devil's Advocate. <laughs> What's up, dog? Thanks for joining us in the chat. I gotta say, I forgot to make a note of this um, before. Might as well do it now. Um, the book club. We just finished Lords of Chaos, which was a bit of a chore, if I'm being honest. 
but we finished it. And now next week, next Sunday, we're moving on to a new book. So if you guys want to get in on the book club, now is the time. Go check out my website um, under uh, reverendcampbell.com forward slash book dash club, or just look in the menus, uh, you know, for my account and groups and stuff. Um, you can join the book club, see the book we're going to be doing, and then see what the reading requirement is for next week where we're going to get on a Google Meet and talk about it. It's always a lot of fun, and you always learn a little bit of different things uh, from the different people that are joining us. But it's always a nice, you know, weird little almost um, Brady Bunch video setup <laughs> of, of fellow readers. It's fun. So if you want to get in on it, now's the time uh, to do so. Okay, that being said, let's talk about life. So this was actually an inspiration from a documentary I was watching. Um, where's the image? Oh yeah, I'm going to do this creepy fetus image. That's life, people. <laughs> That's the one we start as. Uh, and so I was, I've always loved the idea that um, there's this really great George Carlin bit about the sanctity of life and how it's a totally made up fucking term. And then I was watching this documentary about hunting and there was a guy there uh, sort of confronting uh, the main hunting guy uh, from the documentary saying that, you know, aren't you worried about taking another life? Life is sacred. And that started making me sort of laugh inside. What makes you think life is sacred? Is it because it's rare? Is it because you believe it was specifically created for a reason? And there's this idea sort of in the back of my head that, that kept sort of gnawing at me. How does a Satanist reconcile the idea of the rarity of life versus the idea that it's sacred, if it's sacred at all? And certainly, as an individual Satanist, we think our life means something. I mean, this the here and now is all we have, right? And so for us, it is certainly <laughs> very important to live. That's all we got. Right? We don't necessarily cherish other life, do we? And reflecting that on an internal level, for me, how I perceive the world, you know, life takes many different forms as we understand it on this planet. Plant life, animal life, which we're a part of, the entire scope of the history of human evolution and just life ev evolving uh on earth and how we share DNA with literally every other living being because DNA is the one thing that connects everything in life. And that's just the way that, that we know life on this planet. And who's to say that it hasn't sprung up in different ways or parallel ways on different planets, but we are simply unaware of it at this moment. And so because it's only on this planet, because we only know it through our own, uh, exploration through science as of yet, it is very rare, we'll say, right? But how can you consider life precious if we see it actively being destroyed on a regular basis? We destroy it in order to eat. We destroy it to build condos. We, <laughs> we destroy it simply by wiping out all of the apex predators in one area thereby completely rearranging the natural ecosystem of an area, forcing what would be a controlled species into an invasive species, because there's no more predators hunting them actively. 
overrunning the entire ecosystem, thereby completely destroying it. We do that, right, as human beings. It happens naturally in nature. So how can there be any sort of, any sort of like sanctity or, or sacredness in life if it is an absolute randomness that it exists in any form that we recognize in the first place? And I always love sort of the, the high horse that vegetarians typically stand on. Do they not consider plant life life? They have no problem growing and destroying it. And certainly, plants are alive until they consume them. How is that different? Why do they get to choose that this type of life is more precious than that type of life? Cows would not exist if it were not for humans forcing and uh, containing and placing our will of their evolution onto our buns for a hamburger or on our plate as steak. They wouldn't exist without humans. We forced them to be created in the way that they are exist right now. It's kind of interesting to think about. How is that any different than growing a garden, right? Ranching is just contained life controlled by humans a garden is contained life controlled by humans. Why do vegetarians think plants are so much less individualistic and special than animals? Why is it okay to destroy them, but not the others? See, this doesn't make any sense to me. If, if life is special, why is one form of life better than another? And we look at insects and we think some insects are okay and some insects are not and largely based on how appealing they are to us no one looks at a monarch butterfly and is revulsed and wants to squish it but you look at a beetle or a, a spider and some people are terrified and just want to squish it immediately so the sanctity of life or our our, our care of the forms of life entirely depend on our personal aesthetics right some people love snakes. Some people absolutely detest them. So a snake is only important in the eye of the beholder. If our internal experience dictates what life can and will exist, how can it be sacred in any way? And it doesn't begin and end with animals. Weeds. We consider weeds weeds because we don't want them in our garden. Not because they're abjectly negative. I mean, dandelions, just as an example, used to be used as we now use hops, as bittering agents for beer back in colonial times in the 18th century. Nowadays, we use weed killer that destroys all life and even gives us cancer in order to get rid of them from our lawns. They're alive till we spray them and kill them. So sanctity of life, I don't, I don't know how we can even consider it a thing. When we look at life on a grand scope, we don't really think of it in terms of special uh, or, or significant, but we think of that one innocent baby in danger and immediately life becomes special again. On the individual micro scale, life is precious. On the grand scale, of genocide, well, it's a whole lot of bodies in that pit. I don't know if I should really care that much about any one of them.
right? Sure, we think the act of murdering or mass murder is bad, but we don't really care about the individual starving in Africa right now or all the homeless on the street in America right now. Is their life special? Um, life in and of itself is created and then it does nothing but destroy and erode other life and the natural resources of the planet that it happened to have been created on. It is a destructive agent. And certainly, some life needs to exist for other life to exist. You have this concept of the balanced ecosystem, but you also have the concept of humans needing to breathe <laughs> and plants largely creating a portion of that air that we then breathe and vice versa. Uh, we live in harmony with each other in general. Um, but when you look at it in these terms... Life in and of itself is an abject abnormality. There's nothing natural about life because it does spring into creation, immediately starts to decay and erode to destruction of itself and taking as much with it as possible, right? If life in and of itself ultimately ends in death and destruction of itself and others around it, how can it be special? And how can that possibly be conceived as a natural thing when all it does is destroy the nature that it is brought into existence in? And so I'm forced to look at the concept of life and question what living in and of itself is at all. If it is all just degradation to death and destruction, and we only have a finite amount of time and resources to consume until that ultimate destruction, why the fuck are we concerned so much about what's going to be here after we're gone? Especially as Satanists who don't even believe in an afterlife in the first fucking place. And so for us, we look at that little time span of our degrading to death as special and precious. But that doesn't mean we are or we see anyone else as being special or precious, right? It's just our relative experience. <laughs> so how is that natural? How is any of this natural and not just some random chaos of the universe that we just happen to be experiencing because of our development in our brain? I think it's interesting. Just that concept, dog, of Mother Nature, I think is really absurd as well. Mother Nature exists because we need to anthropomorphize the concept of life in and of itself on a rock hurling through space, right? But there's nothing natural about nature. It consumes natural resources as well. <laughs> it, it, none of this... It makes any real sense the, the more granular you get with the examination, in my perception. <laughs> Silly swastika. Um, let's see. Um, where are you guys? Our tendency to demand an animal-free existence has always made me wonder. We want animal-free cities and suburbs and people freak out if they see a coyote or something. 
Vegans see a difference between life and plants and the lives of sentient beings like people and cows. Life is not inherently precious. It only gains its value through our choosing to attribute value to it. Yeah. And that's the biggest quandary, I suppose, of this entire concept of whether life is sacred or precious, right? It's that it's entirely relative. <laughs> Everything about it is relative to the one individual that can ask the question, right? Invasive plant species or viruses. I mean, let's talk about viruses. They're bacteria. They are alive and they are trying to continue to live by spreading in as many places as possible. COVID-19. Some people believe it was uh, altered, but even if it was altered a little bit, it still started as its own coronavirus. And all it wants to do, just like humans, is propagate its species for its continued existence. That's life. We don't care about that. We want to eradicate it as fast as possible because it's detrimental to our lives, right? In some cases. Um, so I guess the way I look at it is no. There's nothing sacred about life. There has never been anything sacred about life. There's nothing better or worse about plants over animals because they are share the exact same DNA at their core, just like we share with trees. Life in and of itself exists to perpetuate itself. And because there are finite amounts of time that a cell can exist and cells are what create life and they degrade and die we don't have a choice but to degrade and die all of life everything all i guess the best we can get right is to come to as powerful an understanding of the world around us, the universe around us, before we degrade and die, and that information can be passed off to the next human virus so that they can try to build on that idea as we've done historically so far. And there's that idea that humans in and of itself is a virus. We are horrible to everything else on this planet, even ourselves. What kind of a fucking virus are we? Um, so from a satanic perspective, yeah, sure, I guess our lives individually are sacred because we're the ones living them in the finite amount of time that we have to live them. But outside of that, it's all perception. As I've always said, perception is nine-tenths of reality. Um, our experience dictates reality. And life in of itself is just an accident. A chaotic blip of opportunity that we happened to evolve from. So how can that be sacred <laughs> at all? I don't know. I think I do need to read that, dog. Definitely. Um, it's, it's definitely on the list. Okay, so do you guys have any other uh, closing thoughts about this? The power of evolution comes from reproduction, but it has no set course. Yeah, I mean, cellular reproduction is the only way that we know of to recreate life, and it shares its DNA with this new form, whatever it is, and 
if that happens to be from two different species, then you're sharing those two versions of uh, uh, manipulated cells. That's why you have hereditary traits. Uh, if it springs up from itself, then it's just a direct duplication with randomness of chaos and cellular degradation in some cases. Cancer in and of itself. Now we look at cancer like it's this horrible thing. But cancer is the trigger of cellular death being turned off. And so it doesn't stop reproducing. So cancer is life on steroids. It is, it is life being reproduced as quickly as possible in the most efficient way as possible. How can that be a bad thing? But it kills us, so we hate it. <laughs> the randomness of nature will always end up killing us. We just choose different things to hate about it. But then we just sit back and still love nature. Oh, it's so beautiful. Look at that sunset. <laughs> but the beauty of the natural sky as an, a meteor comes down and destroys life over and over and over again. Like the uh, historical record has proven on this planet. We have reset multiple times from many different impacts uh, of life on this planet. So I don't know. I don't think there's anything sacred about life, whether you're a Satanist or not. Um, but because, again, we only have a very small amount of time to experience it, because we are fortunate, question mark, enough to be able to analyze it while we're in it, then uh, we should make the most of it, shouldn't we? And not waste it? seems logical to me even that's just a moment that is evocative for the viewer it's the feeling that's sacred it's also so maddeningly relative yeah yeah okay so i don't want to put you guys on a downer but that's how i see life <laughs> it's just it happened and it just exists and so the next time someone's freaking out that you hunt for your food or the next time someone's freaking out about trying to murder another form of life on the planet through squishing a bug or uh, ripping out plants at the root. Feel justified to giggle a little bit. <laughs> the sheer hypocrisy of it all. The absurdness of it all. Let's do a little phone for We've got a good one here. We're talking about sustaining life here. Uh, I started re reading this um, with the wrong assumption, and then I was pleasantly surprised and then kind of bugged again. So let's get into it. This is a New York Times article. New conditions on Alaskan mine could delay vast project that Donald Trump Jr. opposes. The Army Corps of Engineers will impose a new demand for mitigating environmental damage from a vast proposed copper and gold mine in Alaska potentially delaying approvals of the project beyond this presidential election. 
It will not issue a permit until the company presents plans to protect an area in the surrounding watershed, a critical breeding ground for salmon equal in size to the acreage that the mine would damage. That requirement could significantly slow a project that has been sailing towards approval until it occurred the um, incurred the opposition of President Trump's son, Donald Trump Jr., as well as Vice President Mike Pence, former Chief of Staff Nick Ayers. If Joseph R. Biden Jr., the Democratic nominee, prevails in November, the project is likely to die. Quote, the mine will be closed, uh, will be close to killed by this, said Witt Fosberg, the president of the Theodore Roosevelt Conservation Partnership. The proposed pebble mine in a remote region about 200 miles from the Anchorage will be one of the largest open pit mines in the world and could potentially produce hundreds of billions of dollars worth of metals. But it would be dug near pristine spawning streams that support subsistence fishing by some Alaska natives, a large sport fishing industry and one of the biggest commercial wild salmon fisheries in the world in nearby Bristol Bay. Blocked by the Obama administration, but revived under President Trump, the project was the su subject of an environmental review by the Corps of Engineers, which issued a final report last month and promised a final permit decision that by law would come at least 30 days later. Since the final review was published, the president's eldest son and some high-profile Republican donors have joined environmentalists and some Alaskan na natives in opposition. Thomas J. Pyle, the president of the Institute for Energy Research, an organization that supports the use of fossil fuels, said, It, bears, uh, it appears there is an organized last-minute push to persuade Trump to put the brakes on the mind. Uh, he should resist. He added, It is a small subset of wealthy hunter types. One of those hunter types is the president's son, however. Meantime, Mr. Wood said a crescendo of voices was rising to oppose the project. This month, the young Mr. Trump, who is fishing in the Bristol Bay region, seconded a Twitter post from Mr. Ayers asking the president to stop the project, adding, The headwaters of Bristol Bay and the surrounding fisheries are too unique and fragile to take any chances with. Here's the absurdity of this. I can't stand the Trump family, but I totally agree with Donald Trump Jr. on this. There's no reason that we need to create an open mine in Alaska to uh, harvest more precious metals, more natural resources out of the goddamn earth. If there is one place on this planet that is still pristine and beautiful, it's Alaska. Why are you trying to disrupt the natural ecosystem? All of this coming on the back of my Liz Life Sacred rant. Um, I choose to appreciate a natural environment that is in as close to a harmony with itself as possible as Alaska is. It's the only time that we as human beings can walk around without massive cement walls rising around us where we can actually witness vegetation running away with itself and animal life in as free an atmosphere as is seen almost anywhere else on this planet. And it's strikingly fucking beautiful on top of that. Do we really need to destroy the fucking natural ecosystem just so we can have more precious metals? Do we really need that? A lot of people don't think so, and I happen to be one of them. Um, if human beings were eradicated and life was allowed to just exist as it had for millions of years without us fucking with it. I think it would be a net positive for all other life on the planet into the future. 
I, I, I genuinely don't think there's anything positive about the rest of life on this planet that we offer it, other than trying to stop ourselves from actively destroying it. And as Satanists, are we not animals who walk on all fours, who are more often worse, but sometimes better? <laughs> are we not supposed to take care of the environment that we exist within in order to continue existing in it? I do like that Trump Jr. thinks he's actually going to convince his douchebag of a father to do anything. Money is the only thing that motivates that dude. <laughs> and not actively mining does not create money. <laughs> so, and here's the other thing. like the, I, I don't mind hunters, but I detest trophy hunters. Donald Trump Jr. is a trophy hunter. There's nothing worse than going and murdering other animals just so you can mount a head on a wall or lay a blanket on the floor of hide. Like that's, or, or worse than all of that. To just snap a fucking photo and share it in social media? I don't ever want to stop fucking vomiting at the thought of that. It is ridiculous. And yet, that there's a whole group of hunters that don't ever eat what they kill. They just want the trophy. They want the fucking kudos that supposedly comes with murdering other fucking animals in a contained environment from a distance as they are guided in. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. So yeah, um, I agree that they shouldn't create this mine. They should absolutely stop and stop fucking with the goddamn natural world and move to a non-natural resource future. And here's the thing. Wind and solar are so effective right now with technology. And you can build an entire economy around it. There are countries like, um, I think it was, I think it's Norway. I could be talking out of my ass, but I think it's Norway. That, no, it's, it's Greenland. That are entirely zero, uh, um, zero emission, right? Like they, they don't consume any natural resources that are not auto-replenished. Period. If they can do it, we have the territory. We have the space to do it. We can build the grid for it. There are companies who do it right now. Tesla does it. Why the fuck wouldn't we want to do that? It creates jobs. It protects natural environments. It cleans the fucking air and the water and the land all around us. There's literally no reason not to, except that there's already industry for money-grubbing pieces of shit that want to keep their fingers fucking dirty. That's it. That's the only reason. It's because it is already being done, so why should we stop? They're going to be dead in a little bit, so what the fuck do they care? I'm hoping future generations of this virus of humanity that is can <laughs> at least see the absurdity in it and turn the corner. Because my generation hasn't done shit. I don't see any of the other generations effectively doing shit. The millennials actually are, are probably the ones with the biggest voices as far as a generation are concerned. But still, it's not moving the fucking dial yet. They're not actively affecting the uh, political system in any way. In fact, they're stepping away from it entirely. So no change can happen in, in that situation. So I'm hoping that those Gen Zers or whatever is next after them 
can realize that you don't have to breathe in smog. You don't have to develop asthma and allergies in your environment. In fact, you could actually breathe fresh and clean air and still have a very healthy economy. There's no reason to poison ourselves. That's a choice we're making. It's weird. I just had Whitney Houston <laughs> pop in my head. <laughs> I believe a children <laughs> Uh, we have the technology. That's right. It's so ridiculous why we're continuing down this road. It doesn't make any sense at all. There's literally no reason to do it. And yet here we are still doing it. Making ourselves more unhealthy. Actively killing us and the environment we live in. Destroying the economy in the process. But hey, it's always been done, so let's just keep doing it. Fucking humans, man. We deserve to be wiped from the face of this planet. We absolutely deserve it. We're the worst. We are really the worst. Ugh. Okay. So. Let's talk about something else. Let's talk about politics. I know you guys love that. This is a NBCnews.com article. Data shows Trump doesn't build a great economy. He inherited it. I was um, talking with someone. I don't want to drop a name. Um, and it's someone that I have had political conversations with before. And they asked me, who are you going to vote for? And I said, I would vote for silly putty over Trump. So it, it doesn't fucking matter. Like anyone but Trump, I'm going to vote for anyone. A pair of dirty underwear is better than Trump, because at least a pair of dirty underwear is not going to actively destroy our economy, destroy our environment, and destroy our sense of who we are as a nation and our place in the world, as this fuckhead is. And he said, oh, wow. Yeah, I'm, I'm voting for him. And this is a guy that I would never have penned for a dude who, to, to vote for this guy, because he actively disagrees with everything that this guy is doing, right? Trump is doing. So I asked him, why? And he's like, I'm afraid that the Democrats are going to tank the economy. Which blew my mind. Because he's drinking the Kool-Aid that Trump is actually good for the economy. That Trump has actually built a healthy economy. Which, by every stretch of the imagination, is a lie. And, and so I'm laying out facts for him. Here's a fact. Republicans have never done anything but tank the economy ever in history. Think back as far as your generation, your parents' generation and your parents' parents' generation, every Republican president. It's only been Democrats who have brought down the national debt and brought up the health of the economy. And then a Republican comes in and fucks it up. And then a Democrat comes in and repairs it every time. And yet they still believe the lie that is the reverse that this president is perpetuating. It's amazing to me. And so I saw this article and I had to bring it up. So, President Donald Trump's campaign speeches can careen into many topics, but his primary appeal continues to be that he built the greatest economy that we've had in our history before the COVID-19 pandemic, and he can do it again. But the real story of Trump's economy and the president's role in building it is not so simple. If you compare key economic indicators from Barack Obama's second term in office to the first three years of Trump's time, that is, before the pandemic hit, the data shows a continuation of trends, not a drastic shift. 
It suggests Trump didn't build something new. Rather, he inherited a pretty good situation. Start with the broadest measure of economic health, gross domestic product. In 2016, Trump said he was unhappy that the country's economic growth was under 3% a year. Trump said he thought the economy could grow a better of 4% annual rate. But the numbers show the average quarterly economic growth under Trump, 2.5%, was almost exactly what it was under Obama in the second term, 2.4%. The growth that began in Obama's second term and essentially continued under Trump was enough to create an economy that even Trump believes was great. In other words, there might be something to be said for slow, steady growth over a prolonged period of time. I've got another one. I'm hoping I can find the right... Oh, geez, I don't know if these are going to be the right ones. I'm just going to grab them um, as I pull them up here. Yeah, this is it. Uh, job numbers for Obama and Trump show a similar story. The president rightly takes credit for having low unemployment during his presidency. In December 2019, the unemployment rate was a scant 3.5%, the lowest has been in 50 years. When Trump took office, the rate was already at 4.7%. The numbers look like the continuation of a trend, not something new. And the job creation numbers show even more evidence for that view. On the average, the country created 215,000 new jobs a month in Obama's second term. In Trump's first three years, the figure was 182,000. Since the recovery from the last session, the numbers took a slow, steady build. There is no sudden change when Trump takes office in 2017. I'm going to pull up another one here. I'm hoping it's the right one. Um, there is one big indicator that suggests a change under Trump. The Oh, that wasn't it. We just talked about unemployment. Here it is. Um, the rise in the stock market. The Dow Jones Industrial Average on, in particular took off when he won the presidency. To be clear, Obama's figures were not bad on this measure. From his second election day until 2016, the Dow climbed 38%. But Trump can rightfully brag about the climb, and this week the DJIA has recovered most of what it lost in 2020. The idea that President somehow rescued a nation that was struggling economically when he arrived simply isn't borne out in the data. I think this is important for people to truly understand. This president did not create a good economy. He rode the wave of an existing healthy economy off the back of a Republican who destroyed the economy. And in fact, we are currently in a recession and it started before the pandemic hit because of Trump's policies. So we can pretend that Republicans know how to govern and are good for the economy. But that's all a lie. It is not borne out in the data. It is not borne out in reality. It never has, and it never will be. The truth is, if you want someone to take care of the economy in any measure, it can't be a Republican. And I don't think Biden is a great fucking president, uh, presidential nominee. I don't. I didn't want him in the first place. And I don't necessarily want him now. But over Trump? Fuck yeah! And if the only reason you're voting for Trump is because you're afraid, because fear has gripped your heart, that the economy is going to go worse, rest assured, that's never been the case. That's not going to be the case. It's all a lie, and you just believed it. it drives me nuts when people say that shit. Um, 
Now you heard the silly putty can be rather flexible on issues. <laughs> uh, I don't know. It, it could happen. And, and the truth is, is there's a lot of uh, discussion about how democracy ends if Trump gets into office again, if he continues his presidency. And he's said right out himself he wants a third term if he gets a second as a do-over for the first because the pandemic was so bad and the FBI was so hard on him. The FBI just came out again reinforcing that Russia did collude with the Trump uh, president's uh, um, um, election campaign again. So they just confirmed it again under Trump's administration. So it's not like some weird democratic uh, conspiracy. It's a reality. Not to say that, you know, they would have changed anything, but I'm just saying they did interfere, period. They did. Um, and so you have to look at the, the facts. You have to look at reality. Our position in the world is worse because of Trump. Our economy is in a recession and getting worse because of Trump. We have suffered as a country over COVID more than any other country on this planet because of the way it was handled because of Trump. What is good about this president? He hasn't delivered on the promises that he promised. All of you people defending him, and I do see you from time to time in the comments, you never bring up any cogent arguments. It's really just fucking libtards and uh, dumbass Democrats type uh, verbiage. What are you really defending? Are you defending the idea of Trump? Because the act of Trump is not good for you or for anyone else for that matter. So I'm curious. I genuinely am curious. Other than just trying to own the libs or just watch the world burn because you don't give a fuck, why is it that you want Trump to be in office more? Is it based on fear? Is it based on a lie? Because that's how he got elected. Or is it based on fact and data? I think we all know the truth. And if you looked in the mirror, I think you would know it too. But that would mean you would have to grow as a person. So you don't want to do that. I get it. It hurts. It's hard. People. People. <laughs> Just the USPS thing. Yeah. He's going to defund the Postal Service, put in a crony in order to shut it down so that mail-in ballots don't operate. How do you think the U.S military votes by mail they're not in their home states to vote they have to do it by mail you want to eliminate all of their votes the ones even the ones for you it's not too smart of course no one accused that guy as being intelligent except for himself he has the best words he knows the best. are we tired of winning yet are we tired of winning yet that's all i want to know I don't know. And the thing is, you don't have to agree on who you want to be president to recognize how bad this president is. How horrible in every respect this president is as an individual, as a leader, as a businessman. There is nothing good about this douchebag. And yet people still want to see the world burn. They still fucking, you know, we thought the Tea Party was bad because it was a bigoted movement that sprung up um, through Republican racism. It gets worse. The Q movement, QAnon, is infinitely worse 
And who's it coming up under? The Republican racist movement. So what's next? What's worse than QAnon? What's worse? Because if they get into office, because that's the only place Republicans have to turn to at this point, no. Oh. <laughs> Come on. It's sad. It's just sad. Sad. Let's do a little uh, creature feature. All right, I want to talk about a film that I watched this weekend called The Current Occupant. Now, this is from the Into the Dark series on Hulu.com, um, which is a Bloomhouse-produced series of films. It started in 2018 uh, in October, and it was meant to be one contract of one horror film a month for the entire year, right? So 12 horror films that would be the Into the Dark series. It ended up being received so well that they extended it to another year. COVID pandemic hit, and so they had to stop for a little bit, but they're picking it back up now. So far, two out of what should have been, I think, four or five films have been released, and this is the second one uh, of this year, The Current Occupant. So the film is based around this. Trapped in a mysterious psychic ward, a man with no memory comes to believe that he's the president of the United States and the subject of a diabolical political conspiracy. As the asylum's soul-crushing forces bear down on him, he fights to preserve his sanity and escape so that he can return to power. It is directed by Julius Ramsey, written by Alston Ramsey, starring Barry Watson as Harry Cameron, Martin Crondor Jones III as the orderly, uh, Marvin Jones III, and Sunita Henry as Dr. Larson. The premise is kind of on the nose, right? But the story itself is so wonderfully constructed and acted out by the cast that you, like my wife and I were like tense and filled with anxiety. Like, is this real? Is this not real? Is what he's experiencing true? Is there an actual conspiracy? And the film allows you enough room to believe or disbelieve whatever you want throughout the course of it. But some of the situations get so tense that we actively found ourselves agitated, like physically unnerved by what was happening on screen. It was amazingly wonderful. I love it when films can do that. Like 12 Monkeys, I think, was the last sort of mindfuck movie that I watched that really kind of bothered me. This did it. This is one of those films. It will actively bother you as you're watching it. Because the truth is, is that as it sets it up, you believe that this guy is in the psychiatric hospital because there was a coup by the vice president. And you, you believe because the film is leading you to believe that. But the acting is so good and the setups are so believable that, yeah, it makes perfect sense. And the way that they're treating him in this insane asylum is so truly insane, to put your finger on it, um, that how could it be anything but that as the reality? And then it starts to devolve into the truth of the story, and it's not quite what you expect, and it's really great. So if you like horror films, this is a great one because it'll make you think, it'll unnerve you genuinely, and there's nothing better than being moved 
by cinema, right? It's so <laughs> fucking wonderful. I couldn't, however, Barry Watson is great. I mean, I'm not taking anything away from him. He is great. But I couldn't help thinking of Timothy Oliphant in his role instead of him. I think he, I think it would have been, maybe it wouldn't have been because you would have been like, oh, it's Timothy Oliphant. Uh. Um, but he would have been great in that role too. It's just, it's, it's so wonderfully put up and there's no one creepier than Marvin Jones, the third, no one. This is an albino black man who is just this imposing form, even though he's not taller than the actual, um, than Barry Watson, um, the, the patient. And really you could probably take him down. Uh, it's just that he's such an imposing figure because of the, um, he's the orderly, uh, so he has this sort of th this uh, domineering presence of uh, um, what's the word I'm looking for <sighs> administration, um, and the fact that he is a sort of moody-looking black man with this oddness of albino that again is a little bit intimidating. It's 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 the sort of weird-looking form of himself that adds to the, the sort of terror that he strikes. And, and he does such a wonderful job of being, I want to be your friend. Let's be friends and just do what you're told because otherwise we're not going to be friends anymore. And the suggestion of violence in that was so believable. It was just fantastic. And if you can, if you can suspend disbelief and put yourself in the position of a patient and hear an orderly or anyone in an administrative uh, position overtly threatening you, knowing you have zero power. You are absolutely at their mercy, and they can just dose you up with medication and make you forget everything. Who you are as a person, as a creature, if they want. You are totally at their control. It's terrifying. It is inherently terrifying. And you just have to exist in this world for like almost two hours. And it's magnificent. Oh, it's so wonderful. So I highly recommend, if you like Insane Asylum films, if you like horror films, if you like sort of twist endings, um, unexpected, unnerved performance, this is one for the books, people. You should check it out. It is The Current Occupant. And that's all I got today. How much time we got? Oh, it's 54 minutes. Not too bad. All right. Well... We can be the second breakfast club. What are you guys talking about over here? <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. The book club is almost a breakfast club, I guess. Interesting. All right, people. Well, that's all I had for you today. <laughs> uh, I do genuinely like that film. You should check it out. If you haven't checked out, not all of the Into the Dark films are winners. How could they be, right? Some of them are better than others. Some of them just aren't good, very good at all. But... This one was one of the good ones. <laughs> it really, really was. It was so good. Um, and even though I don't think there's any sanctity of life, can we all just agree not to shit where we live? Like, can we stop destroying the very planet that allows us to exist? <laughs> you know, going back to our uh, the news segment. It doesn't make sense why we're doing it. Let's just stop. Stop voting in people that continue to destroy the planet. Like, we don't have to. We can actually be healthier and happier without asthma and allergies that are environmentally caused because of our economic practices. Like, we can change it. It, it, it doesn't mean 
the world is going to end or the economy is going to tank. Those are lies perpetuated by people who don't want to change. Countries are doing it right now, successfully. Corporations are doing it right now, wildly successfully. Why can't the rest of us? Doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. All right. Um, that being said, thank you guys so much for joining me uh, in the live show. I really appreciate it. Uh, sorry about not being able to get on last week, but again, madness. <laughs> Pure, clean, uncut madness. <laughs> um, I am looking forward to tomorrow's episode of Satanist on Cinema. And after having reviewed and cogitated on all of the feedback I got about the different series and shows that I've produced, I think I'm going to make some changes in the way that I present them and the ones that I'm continuing and stuff like that. So um, allow me a little bit more time to sort of stretch my uh, brain muscles a little bit to try to really work around what I want to do with some of these other series. And then, uh, you know, ultimately your feedback is very helpful. And so it helped formulate where ultimately I'm going to end up. So I genuinely appreciate you guys' interaction uh, and suggestions. So thank you all so much. Have a fantastic week. And until next week, hail Satan. Ha <laughs> ha.